welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined, joined us. Well, we've talked about the cancel culture on this program and how the Ohio Christian Alliance and Christians everywhere, conservatives everywhere, are actually victims of the cancel culture and being uh, censured uh, off social media and deplatformed, and we are in a all-out war against the progressive left in this country. And uh, it's a very serious matter, quite honestly. And earlier this year, uh, as this uh, we came out of 2020 in the political year, the pandemic year, and obviously it's overlapped into 2021, and we're in the throes of another surge of the pandemic right now. But um, our state attorney general was sending to me, he says, I've got a book you need to read. He said, this is Attorney General Dave Yost, said, Live Not By Lies, A Manual for Christian, Christian Dissidents by Rod Dreher. And he said, this is a great book to read. Then another friend, Mark Harrington of Created Equal in Columbus, said, you've got to read this book. And then he sent it to me in the mail, and I said, okay, I've got the hint. I'm going to read this book. And it actually is a very good read. And apropos to what we are all facing at this time, and I'm so pleased to have with us Rod Dreher, the author of the book, Live Not By Lies. He is the senior editor of the American Conservative and also the author of The Benedict Option. But we're going to be talking about his book, that was released, Live Not By Lies. Rod, welcome to the program. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm glad to hear that there's been such good word of mouth in Ohio about my book. Well, that's right, and we want to get it into the hands of a lot of our contacts, and so we're working on uh, getting a number of books into the hands of some of our key contacts, because I think that what you've uh, uh, the subject that you've actually approached in this book is going to be with us for some time. We are in the throes of it here in America. And I'd like to just begin with your introduction. Uh, when you received a call, and actually it was from a gentleman who was an American physician, he told uh, you that uh, his elderly mother, who uh, was a Czechoslovakian uh, immigrant to the United States, had spent six years of her youth as a political prisoner in her homeland, and she had spent part of the Catholic. She was part of the Catholic anti-communist resistance, and she was now in her 90s. But she said to her son, "What I see happening in America is reminiscent of what I saw in my homeland of Czechoslovakia." And you know, Rod, we hear this from so many people who came out of uh, the communist uh, countries and the uh, uh, the Russian bloc and. They've come to America for freedom, and they said what they see happening in America today is reminiscent of the totalitarianism that they faced uh, in their home countries back in Europe. So tell us a little bit about how you got started on this book. Well, after I got that phone call, I thought that maybe this man's mother was exaggerating. You know, she my mother is old. She watches a lot of cable news, and she tends to get pretty afraid of the world. But I started after that asking anybody I would meet in my travels around the country to conferences and things, if they came out of the Soviet bloc, I would ask them, are the things you're seeing today, does it remind you of what you left behind? Chris, every single one of them said yes. And if you talk to them long enough, you'll find out how angry they are that Americans just won't take them seriously. So uh, I, I finally decided to investigate this further and to see what is it that they are seeing in our country that reminds them of what they left behind. And in the second half of the book, I traveled to Russia and to the former communist countries to talk to Christians who did stay behind and who resisted communism in the name of Christ. And I wanted to find out from them what their advice is for us, uh, for the the struggle that we face. And i got to tell you, they're really worried about Christians over here now. As they should be. And, you know, the work that we do at the Ohio Christian Alliance is to advocate for Christian uh, and religious freedom in uh, our state and nation and to fight back against an anti-Christian bigotry that is 
been encroaching more and more every year. You know, we see the war on Christmas. Uh, we've dealt with that over the years as the ACLU has sought to cancel Christmas um, on public displays of the Nativity uh, or any kind of uh, religious public display, the Ten Commandments over the years, of course. Uh, and you can go to uh, a prayer in school and Bible reading in school, Ten Commandments hanging up in uh, public places. We've dealt with that over the last the decades, but what we see now is actually a canceling of the Christian faith in the public arena altogether, and the Christian ideal. So we see the baker in Colorado who uh, is a Christian man, and he will serve anyone who comes into his store, but he was asked by a gay couple to make a wedding cape, and he said, you know, that's against what I personally believe. And they began to hound him with lawsuits, and he has been sued multiple times, and he's been canceled, uh, he's been doxxed, and he's gone through all kinds of difficulty, yet he is a standing man, and uh, he is uh, an example of what we really need to do in resistance. But not everybody is of the same um, determination. People give in. They, they, you know, whenever the pressure's on, when uh, the group uh, mentality goes against the, an individual and what their personal convictions are and their religious beliefs, they begin to cower. They begin to surrender that position. Your thoughts? Well, that's exactly right. And we in the American church are not ready for what is right in front of us now. You know, the main thing I got from interviewing all these different Christians, Protestants, Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and the former communist countries, is that the American Church has got to prepare itself to suffer for Christ and suffer for the truth. Uh, they say that if you don't, if you aren't willing and able to suffer significantly for the sake of Christ, whether it's suffering a loss of reputation, loss of your business, loss of your freedom, and even, God forbid, it should come to it, the loss of your life. If you're not willing to make those sacrifices, then your faith is in vain. It was a chilling thing to be standing as I was on a street corner in Moscow uh, with the snow starting to fall around us and listen to this white-haired elderly Baptist pastor, a man who had really suffered for his faith in his long life. He looked at me straight in the eyes, Chris, and said, go back to America and tell the church, you've got to prepare to suffer or you're not going to make it. Well, look, Chris, you know, you and here in our country, we've been so blessed with prosperity and with religious liberty for so long that we've gotten soft. A lot of us don't know what it means to make a sacrifice for God, but we had better prepare ourselves now because the time is here and the times are going to get much worse. We have got to be willing to take whatever they throw at us, but not move one bit. In our country, we've moved from a base of uh, Judean-Christian moral uh, base as a nation throughout our, our history, yet to more of a moral relativism that we've seen, and progressivism that's uh, taken seed in the last number of years. And so Christians find themselves in very awkward positions. If they believe that a marriage is between one man and one woman, uh, that is almost considered to be bigotry at this point uh, in the general public, and that if you're not accepting of gay marriage uh, and or uh, either uh, in addition other arrangements as uh, moral relativism, you know, has its own encroachment into even more decadency. Christians find themselves in a very difficult position. They're being forced to say, well, two men can be, uh, you know, you can't uh, judge who you love. You know, I've heard this erroneous statement, but this is what the political left says. And um, they talk about that. And so the thought here in the title of the book, Live Not By Lies, which is the essay by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and I think that that's important because each individual who has a conviction of the truth has to remind themselves, I'm not going to live by lies. I'm not going to accept that two men can make a happy uh, union in their sexual activity. God created man and woman to join together, to make a family, to procreate, to create the nuclear family. I'm not going to live by that lie that the world is telling me right now that uh, two men can make a family and and be just as uh, uh, you know sanctum as the family. Your thoughts? No, that, that's exactly right. You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he sent a message out, the last message he got out to his followers in the Soviet Union before they kicked him out of the country in 1974, 
he told them, listen, folks, we can't overturn this totalitarian regime, but the one thing we can do is to refuse to say that we believe things that we do not believe. And he said, this, if this is the only act of resistance you can mount is to refuse to live by the lies that they force us, they're trying to force on us, then you have to do it, however small the resistance. And I was so inspired by that, Chris, because this is where we are in America today. You know, we do not have gulags. We don't have the secret police. We don't have the things that we all associate with totalitarianism. But this is a softer form of totalitarianism. Because a totalitarian government is one that insists that there's only one permitted ideology and that every aspect of life has to be ideological. So this is how we have coming out right now, um, the, uh, like this, month during, this year during Pride Month, LGBT Pride Month, you had Oreo cookies in Pride colors. You had cereal for little children that celebrates gay pride and has on the side of the box encouragements for the kids to come up with their own pronouns. Just today, as you and I are talking, uh, I see that there's a commercial out showing Santa Claus getting a boyfriend and kissing his boyfriend. I mean, this is everywhere, and we have got to make a stand against it. I don't think we'll be able to stop it, but we've got to prepare ourselves and our own children to recognize what lies are being thrown at us all the time about sex and gender and race and not give in to it, even if it costs us our jobs. Reading from your book as well in the introduction, it says, uh, you will not be able to predict what will be held against you tomorrow. Uh, This is the woman warned. She says, you have no idea what completely normal thing you do today or say today that will be used against you to destroy you. Um, you know, we're experiencing that right now. I mean, when we think about, for instance, the vaccine mandates, and one of the things that our organization has been doing has been helping people file religious exemptions, you know, where uh, in this country, normally, you know, if a person had objections uh, to a medical procedure and they have their own right to what they uh, will want to put in their body, I mean, we have constitutional rights. So there are people that can't take the vaccine for personal reasons, uh, medical reasons and religious reasons. And yet we're in the throes in Ohio that where all these companies are mandating the vaccine as almost a religion and saying, you either take this vaccine or you're, you're unemployed. There's the door. First, it was the hospitals, the medical clinics. Then it was businesses that were contracted with the federal government. Of course, a lot of this tyranny is coming out of Washington with the Biden administration, with the vaccine mandate order. And so that you can't go into this uh, restaurant, you can't go into this grocery store, you can't go into this business if you're not vaccinated or show proof of vaccination. So people are beginning, you know, a few years ago, Rod, nobody would have ever thought that be possible in this country yet we're in the throes of it currently your thoughts yeah 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 we are and i look i cards on the table i'm vaccinated i'm a middle-aged guy with autoimmune issues i needed to get vaccinated but i'm very much against vaccine mandates for exactly the reason you say and here's the thing that frightens me chris when i look forward uh after covid goes away we will have established some uh, we will have laid down some practices uh that are going to be quite dangerous. We have seen, since the George Floyd thing came out, we have seen public health officials and uh, public uh, uh, civic officials, like the mayor of Chicago, say that racism is a public health issue. Okay? If they define racism as a public health issue, then what happens when they say that for the sake of public health, if you don't agree with critical race theory, then you will be treated the same way unvaccinated people were treated back during COVID? I really do believe they are laying down the framework for a social credit system in which uh, eventually all of us Christians who don't bend the knee and burn the pinch of incense to Caesar will no longer be allowed to buy or to sell. They already do this in China. Events are really accelerating. Just a few years ago, we thought of it more of a soft tyranny or or a uh, totalitarianism that was soft. Uh, Now we're seeing more of a hard tyranny coming down. Well, what's an example? Well, uh, where there would just be doxing and shaming someone and trying to cancel them or their business. Now we're seeing um, the federal government actually use law enforcement to use it to, to intimidate 
public citizens. So let's take the school board meetings right now with parents coming and addressing issues in a public forum, which we have long heralded as the First Amendment right in this country. And I just saw a video this morning of a man in Texas. He just literally had his laptop. It was his time to speak. He went up in a civil manner. He began to address the members of the school board. But he, he was approaching a subject that they did not want to hear, and they called him out of order, and they called for two police of the community to come and arrest him. They drug the man away from the podium. I'm telling you, Rod, that's what I would call hard tyranny, but your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And we saw uh, just uh, this fall, we saw the National School Board Association call on the Department of Justice to go after parents who were questioning what the schools were doing with their kids in terms of critical race theory. Um, saying that these people were, quote, domestic terrorists. And the government would have done that had the whistleblower not come forward. They would have gotten away with it. And uh, I, I just think that you know, we're not seeing the hard, terror, uh, hard tyranny except a few places here and there, like you just mentioned. But believe me, it's coming. And even if it doesn't come anytime soon, though, I want people to understand that we are in a time of soft totalitarianism, for sure where you, a lot of us think that everything's going to be okay because that this is only something for young people or only in San Francisco or Boston, places like that. No, no, no. It's right here in middle America where a lot of us live. And our children are being propagandized by social media all the time. This is not something that we can vote our way out of. We Christians absolutely have to stay involved in politics, if only to protect religious liberty. But the things that are happening now in our country are beyond politics. It's cultural, and ultimately, it's spiritual warfare. That's exactly right. I'm looking at Chapter 3, Progressivism as a Religion. Explain that, what you cover in that chapter. Yeah. Well, I think that wokeness, as we call it, is a pseudo-religion made up by left-wing people to fill the God-shaped hole in their souls. As uh, faith in Christianity has declined, especially among the millennials and Gen Z, they have filled that hole with uh, a political religion. Now, we had in the early 20th century two political religions, Nazism and Communism, that uh, wreaked havoc on the world. I think wokeness is a form of this, because in progressives really go at what they at their ideas as if they were religious. They believe in absolute right and wrong, and they believe that they, as left-wingers, know what right and wrong is. Uh, they believe that if they just get rid of the bigots, the Christians, and others who stand in the way of progress, that then finally we will have utopia. This is what Marx taught, and it, of course, is a lie. But they firmly believe it, and uh, I've, told, I've told my friends that if you want to figure out what wokeness is all about, don't think of it as a politics. Think of it as religion. And then you see these people are Puritans. They're left-wing Puritans. They're left-wing fundamentalists. And they have no interest in talking with us, in debating us, in tolerating us. They just want to destroy us. We have seen this play out. Uh, obviously, our history as a nation has been under assault by the left and by wokeism. Obviously, the 1619 Project, as it was that the New York Times launched, uh, was meant to upend the, the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrim's Landing. Uh, the Pilgrims did not come for uh, any kind of subjugation of other people or uh, exploitation of the land or for treasure. They came to actually uh, find a new way, uh, a new uh, in the new world, to be able to worship freely and to raise their families. Uh, and actually, just different from what uh, Jamestown was, actually. Uh, and they didn't come in conquest, and that actually doesn't work with the political left's narrative because they were a peaceable people that actually made peace with the Native Americans that were there and uh, uh, actually treated them and uh, accepted them as brothers. And the peace treaty that the Pilgrims made with the Wampanoag Indians lasted for over 50 years before there was conflict. But So they had to upend that with the 1619 Project, then tear down statues of Christopher Columbus and uh, other of our uh, uh, founders uh, throughout our history, and, and of course uh, the founders of our country, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln even wasn't uh, exempt, you know, excused from this when they were just when they when the left starts to mindlessly tear down history, uh, they don't really stop and check the facts. Your thoughts? 
No, they don't check the facts because this isn't about facts. This is about a narrative. This is about establishing a dominant story. Uh, we in the U.S. have got to realize the, the radicalism of the attack that we're under now. One of the great lessons of totalitarianism is that whoever controls the cultural narrative, that is to say the story that tells other people within the country who we are as a nation, those people control the future. So uh, what they're trying to do is gain control of the cultural memory of our nation. That's what it means to tear down statues and to dishonor the founding. They want to discredit the whole thing so they can replace it with a left-wing, secular, godless, um, you know, pro-LGBT, racist uh, uh, founding. And this is something that the people who lived under communism understand very well. One of the, the forms of resistance they said we have got to learn how to practice is protecting our cultural memory. That is to say, even if, uh, if our schools throw out history and, and suddenly start denigrating our founders and so forth, we have got to work privately to educate our own children about true history. Uh, this is why one reason I'm a big proponent of classical Christian schools. In the best universities in this country, they're throwing out study of the classics, of the Greeks, the Romans, of people of our past who all contributed to Western civilization. The only place you can find study of these people more and more is in classical Christian schools. I tend to think of classical Christian schools and the, the few colleges, Christian colleges that will teach the classics, as being like the monasteries were in the Dark Ages. These are the only places where they maintained the faith and the light of learning while the barbarians were roaming around, killing people and destroying. Those monks kept copying scriptures and also these books from the Greek and the Roman era so people could remember. We have got to keep up our cultural memory, Chris, there, because if our kids don't ever learn these things, then they're lost. That's exactly right. And one of the things I really enjoyed about your book, it really turned, and you even say that it has part one and part two. And when I got to part two, and you, you went behind what was the previous uh, Iron Curtain into the uh, former Soviet bloc countries of Czechoslovakia, Romania, Albania, and some of the countries, in the, and Russia itself, talking to these dissidents. These were Christians who fought against communism uh, and held on to their beliefs all through those decades. And, of course, it was almost as if you went on a spiritual pilgrimage. And I, I sense that in the writing of your book. And I really w enjoyed part two, because I could see that you, for you personally, it affected you deeply. Explain. Oh, it really did. You know, I, uh, the life that we live here in America is incomparably better in terms of personal liberties and material uh, blessings than the people back then of the communist world, but they were so much richer in spirituality. I, uh, I think often today about this man. He, he died in uh, 2012, but his name is Dr. Sylvester Kirchmeri. He was a young man of the 1950s who was part of the underground church in Slovakia. When they pulled him off the street uh, and threw him into prison, he laughed at the secret police. They said, why are you laughing? He said, because I've been waiting for this, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to suffer for my Lord. That man went into prison, Chris, and he, uh, he writes in a memoir later, uh, published after communism fell, that he knew that he could never feel sorry for himself, because if he pitied himself, he would collapse morally and spiritually. What he did instead was to decide that he was going to see himself as being brought into that prison to suffer with Christ and for Christ and to serve the people around him in the prison. And that's what he did for a decade. As soon as they let him out, he got right back to evangelizing and, under, and building the underground church. That's the kind of mentality I heard over and over and over again in every country from Christians of different denominations. We have got to develop that within ourselves. Thank you, Rod. We've run out of time. Thank you. I'll have to have you back. Rod Dreher, Live Not By Lies. Thank you for being my guest. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. 
President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. TrustBlueReview. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and we're back, and with us on the phone is Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We're going to be talking about the lawsuits that have been a, put a stay on the uh, Biden administration's mandates of vaccine mandates across the country, whether it be with the CMS order, that's uh, anyone receiving uh, Medicare and Medicaid dollars, that's our hospitals and medical clinics, uh, businesses that are contracted with the federal government, and, of course, um, employers. So uh, here in Ohio, as many of you know, the Ohio Christian Alliance is providing information how to file for religious exemption as we've held meetings across the state, being able to help people, uh, literally hundreds and now into the thousands we've been able to help uh, to acquire uh, getting an exemption to be able to stay on at their place of employment. Unfortunately, there are people that are being declined. Uh, they have filed uh, uh, complaints with the EOC, and uh, ultimately they may be filing a lawsuit against the infringement of their religious belief. With us on the phone, and who's helped us immensely on this, of course, many of you know, Liberty Council, and here is uh, the president, Matt Staver. Matt, welcome to the program. Very good. Good to be with you. Thank you for all you're doing. Well, thank you. And in fact, the last time we spoke, you know, my wife and I were going in the throes of this as she was an RN for 22 years in her hospital. I wanted to let you know the good news. Her exemption was accepted. And another group of 25 in the smaller hospital that she has in the larger hospital actually approved upwards of 600 of both medical and religious exemptions uh, here in Northeast Ohio. And then, of course, you saw that Cleveland Clinic, after the uh, judge's decision last Wednesday, they put a stay on their own mandate. They didn't actually want to do that. They were being threatened personally, from what I understand. They got a personal letter from the Health and Human Services Director uh, to the CEO of uh, Cleveland Clinic and stating, uh, if you don't enforce a mandate, we're going to strip you of your Medicare and Medicaid dollars. Your thoughts? I don't. I don't doubt that at all. There, this administration has used real bullying tactics, and uh, they've really. You know, and if you go back to March of uh, this year, uh, early March, first week or so of March, March the second, I believe, is when it was. The Biden administration got together other various agencies and also private entities, and they issued a PowerPoint saying that they were going to expand these vaccine passports all over the country and internationally as well through government coercion, and then they wanted to bring in the private sector. We pushed back on that. We revealed that we still have the PowerPoint online. And then uh, at the end of March, the press secretary said, oh, no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to be pushing vaccine mandates. And here we are. That's what their plan has been since the very beginning, to push them. And the radical fringes that they're listening to, like Don Lemon on CNN and others like him, they say that if you don't have these COVID shots and proof of it, so that would be through this digital health passport or vaccine passport, you should not be allowed to work, leave your home, shop for groceries even, go to school, uh, and even travel. All of that should be prohibited from you, and this would be the course of force. So when you say that 
Cleveland Clinic got pressure directly from the HHS department. I have no doubt that this is what's been happening to a lot of these employers around the country. That's right. We found out that uh, any any business that had federal contracts here began to issue mandates. Uh, for instance, Smuckers Corporation here in Northeast Ohio, they have uh, both a military contract and a federal prison contract with the federal government. They did issue a mandate. We've been dealing with their employees, salaried employees. Unfortunately, uh, Smuckers went ahead and dismissed uh, 100 of their salary employed uh, uh, applications for religious exemption. Now, several of them have filed complaints with the EEOC. We've also con- uh, made information available for them to contact your law firm, uh, Matt, and you may be hearing from them in the days and weeks to come. They have hearings both in January and February. The EOC seems to be backed up. Some of them are calling back to try to get an earlier hearing. But what is happening with these people is that their pay has been suspended. Uh, they've been given a date in which they will ha- be removed from the, the workplace or campus, and uh, that deadline's like mid-December. So one of the language in federal law that says that uh, if you've been denied a religious exemption, you have an application uh, for a hearing with the EOC that the employer, uh, can they take uh, punitive action towards you, or is that during the hearing process? How does that work? Well, there's a provision uh, in the EEOC. So obviously, if you file for EEOC and you're still employed, the employer cannot take uh, punitive action against you. And if they do, there is a, a realm for injunctive relief to stop the employer from doing that pending the ultimate resolution of the, your EEOC employment discrimination claim. What we're also seeing, however, is that what's happened is there they're just simply terminating these people or putting them on an extended leave of absence with no pay and no salary. That's right. And so forth. Yes. And they're trying to do that to cut out in their their ability to go look for a job, even though they have no income, and to get unemployment. You know, that's not a reasonable accommodation. That's the same as termination. If you're on an extended leave of absence with no pay and no benefits, that's the same as termination. So when these people are filing with the EEOC, which is a prerequisite to actually use the Title VII employment law in a civil law case, you have to do the EEOC administrative filing first. What we're finding around the country, and it's different from different EEOCs, is that they're backed up. So the EEOC is taking a while to even get to these claims. Now they're backed up. Why? Because a lot of these claims are being processed through the EEOC because people are being terminated or they're being pushed out of their places of employment. In fact, just uh, today, just before I got on the program, I read an article out of Maine, where we're litigating in Maine as well. And the governor there, of course, pushed her own mandate, saying all the health care workers had to get uh, the COVID shots or they'll be terminated. And you cannot, as an employer, honor a religious exemption. And if you do, then you will ultimately lose your business license to the employer. How are they able to do that? It's unbelievable. We're litigating that now, and our case is pending at the U.S. Supreme Court. But literally, the governor said, you can't follow or honor the federal law that grants people the right to bring these claims and bring a religious exemption request. And if you do, then you'll lose your business license. So that means a number of these people have been terminated. So what is she doing? She's now activating the National Guard. Now, many of those people in the National Guard, in fact, probably most of the people in the National Guard, they work in private employment sectors. So they're going to have to be pulled out of their private employment, go as a National Guard, and then what are they going to do? There's very few people in the National Guard that are trained in medical. There's very, you know, look at how few number of doctors there would be in all of the National Guard to replace the doctors. And moreover, how many nurses are in the National Guard? that they're going to be able to bring in to replace all those uh, nurses that have been terminated in Maine. It's just absolute insanity. What is the—I uh, I know that you um, the, uh, filed before the U.S. Supreme Court. What is the timetable for that case to be heard, Matt? Do we know? Well, we've asked for the Supreme Court to do an expedited uh, review and an, an injunction pending appeal. And unfortunately, it was a split decision, uh, although we were right on the law— uh, there were two justices that said they would rather wait for the final uh, resolution. And so that may not be until next year. The problem is, is that's too late. 
And these people are already out on the streets uh, around Thanksgiving, Christmas time. And it's already causing a health care crisis, as is evidenced by the fact that you have the situation with the National Guard. In fact, in New York, there's also a request, and we're litigating there, for an emergency injunction pending appeal. We have a person who's operated a nursing home for over 50 years. He's got a small staff. Um, one of them has gotten the COVID shots. The others do not want it. They have religious objections. So he's already operating in an illegal time frame. Why? Because he hasn't closed down, meaning he faces the fines and the revocation of his license by Governor Janet Mills. But if he does fire his employees, he only has one left, and then what will he have to do? You have to shut down the nursing home. Well, that would violate other state laws because you can't just shut down a nursing home and kick these people out into the street. you got to take some time. It takes quite a significant amount of time to transfer them to another facility. So every single day, he's in a catch-22. If he follows the governor's mandate, he violates other state law because he'd have to shut down. If he continues to operate, which is morally and legally required, then he violates the governor's mandate. And that's in the state of New York. That's New York. New York, yeah, you know. But Biden's shot mandates are falling like flies. And another one has bitten the dust recently. And so you've got several court decisions that have actually come down on three categories of Biden's shot mandates. One is the first one that got stopped, and it's still blocked. All of these are blocked now nationwide is the one that says if you have 100 or more employees, you have to require them to get the COVID shots. That's been stopped by a federal court of appeals. The second category is the category that was applying to these health care facilities, that if you're a certified Medicare or Medicaid provider, then all of your employees have to get these shots. That has been stopped by two courts, one for 10 states and the other nationwide, and so that's across the, the country. And then the third category is the federal civilian contractors, like what you were talking about there with that other company, because they have some kind of contract with the federal government. That has also now been blocked by two courts, and that also is a nationwide injunction as well. And the breadth of these is just staggering. All the courts have said that these are lawless activities by the government, by the Biden administration. They are contrary to the Constitution, and there's no way that the Constitution gives the executive branch this kind of authority to reestablish and upset all of these economic and other kinds of social conditions in our country. We are talking with Matt Staver. He is the chairman of Liberty Council. That's lc.org. In fact, on our website, you'll find a link to the with help with religious exemptions from vaccinations. And Liberty Council has offered a lot of helpful guidance on filing for an exemption. Uh, Matt, we've been able to help a lot of people in Ohio with the help and assistance of Liberty Council, the information you have provided. In fact, so it started with, uh, in our own family, obviously, with my wife and the small group of nurses that she works with at her hospital. And then we said, well, we got to help other people. And we were getting some calls down there in Orville, Ohio. That's where Smucker's uh, Corporation is headquartered. So we went down there at church one night, I asked Pastor, I said, well, how many people are going to be here tonight? It's going to be a packed house. I'm thinking, okay, I'll get a few extra copies. I, I, I doubted him, but I shouldn't have. It was a packed house. And there was people there from the USDA, uh, Smuckers, the airlines, uh, power companies. And when you open the floor up for Q&A, uh, basically we just walked through pe- people through a very simple process of what they needed to do to file for religious exemption, and then uh, providing the information that Liberty Council provided. Then we went to uh, a couple meetings in uh, North Northeast Ohio. Each of them were packed out. We had called for a meeting within five days, and an auditorium was full. These are 90% of these people, man, I've never seen before in my life. We've been doing public policy for 20 years, and they came from all walks of life, and they've been threatened. But i got to tell you, the courage that these people had was inspiring and determination. Um, and so they were resolute that they were not getting the shot. And they had their reasons, you know, whether it was personal, it was religious or, or uh, you know, medical. And they were looking for the proper process to be able to file this. And uh, it's just, it was just amazing. We held another one in Cincinnati and we uh, 
people that were employed with the federal government, Procter & Gamble, uh, the General Electric, and other companies. One lady stood up, and she says, I'm here from the business perspective. My husband and I own two aerospace companies, each with over 100 employees in strength. We are considering uh, canceling our government contracts and dividing our companies into two so that they're less than 100 in number so that we can avoid the vaccine mandate for ourselves and for our employees. You know, Chris, I'm so glad that you have done that and your church has done that, and I wish others like you, leaders like you, and other uh, churches would do that because they would, as you have seen personally and we have seen personally, be incredibly blessed by exactly what you said, people that we've never had contact with before. But what we have in common is they have their faith. They don't want to be forced to put this into their body against their will. And they're being terrified, threatened horribly with their jobs and their future. And they need help. And this is an opportunity for the church and for ministries to really reach out and help these people. And what you would also see, as we have been blessed, as you have, by the courage that they see, by the courage that they are experiencing. And also, they want... they. We do these weekly, daily calls, and we have hundreds or a thousand of people on the call every day, and they just want to hear a voice that is there to help them. Yes. They just want to hear someone's voice, and they hear other people that are in their same situation. So it's a real comfort for them. You know, we're working with people outside of the students that are being told they can't come back to school even with a semester to go people in the employment, as well as now people in the military. We're also working with people that are donors or the recipient of an organ transplant. And we see many of those, but they're being removed from the organ transplant list. We have a lady, for example, who it's uh, very critical. She gets a kidney. It's life and death for her. She's qualified. Her brother is the donor. He's qualified. They've been on the approved list. And now this mandate came up, and they were told, if you don't get the shot, either the donor or the recipient, you're going to be moved out. A liver transplant person, we just got the person back on the liver transplant list last week, uh, but had been removed. We have, a, we have them all, we have all kinds of people. One person says that without the organ donation, he has less than three years to live. And he's been taken off the organ donation list, even though he's been otherwise qualified and he's been on the list. So it's just absolute insanity. It's abusive. It's inhumane. It's unconstitutional. Uh, Matt, I, I'm on your email list. I'm seeing the alerts of the uh, legal challenges that you're facing, helping uh, that you're actually uh, out there on the front end. Um, fighting for people's rights and in the state of Maine, New York, all over the country on this issue and helping people individually. This is um, Liberty Council. It's lc.org. They are, folks, make a donation to them. It's year-end. Uh, it's tax-deductible. Isn't that right, Matt? It's tax-deductible contribution it to LC? deductible yeah. And we actually have a matching grant that's in effect right now that every dollar uh, up to a certain amount will be matched, uh, but we have to match that by December 31. So give your contribution. This is a group that's been helping the Ohio Christian Alliance provided us with resources to help people literally uh, now into the thousands probably uh, that we've been able to help with the um, religious exemption and its Liberty Council. So they are well worth your donation. That's lc.org. And again, the link is on our website as well. So right now we're at an interesting period in Crossroads, Matt, because you have the federal judges that are actually uh, helping us out by putting these national stays on the Biden administration's vaccine mandates. Yet some companies are going forward and they're not uh, putting a stay on their own mandate. Uh, that's their right to do that unless there is a state like Florida that just expanded. Uh, we like the Florida law that expanded five exemptions, uh, areas of exemptions. We actually have, I spoke before the Ohio legislature yesterday on a bill, and I said you might want to look to Florida, what they've done there. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what do you see happening in yeah. some of the states? Yeah, Chris, uh, you know, like you say, there's a number of them that have just voluntarily pulled back, like Cleveland Clinic, after, because they didn't want to do it in the first place. Right. But unfortunately, there's some that, even though they are no longer required, they're still moving forward with this. 
And we need to, and I've encouraged people, continue to press your religious exemption claim. If you're ultimately terminated, file an EEOC complaint under the federal law. Uh, but we also need to really identify those entities and push back. I know, for example, in Florida, um, Disney was going ahead, you know, the Magic Kingdom was imposing this as well on all of their properties. And now Florida passed the law and uh, they backed off. And a lot of these employers in Florida obviously backed off because um, not only have the laws been stopped on the federal level, but now Florida says if you do this to these individuals, you're going to be fined for every single violation. So I encourage, you know, the people that are listening there, the legislators, the policymakers, take a look at Florida's recently passed law and try to, um, you know, do that in, in Ohio and other places. It, it gives. It says that it, it says you, doesn't say you can't have a mandate, but it basically gives five options or five outs. That's One, right. Medical. Two, pregnancy or intended pregnancy. Three, religious exemption. Four, uh, if you want to have weekly testing at the employer's expense. Yep. Or five, if you want to wear PPE. Um, so if you meet any one of those five, you'll say, well, I don't have a religious exemption, but I'll I'll do. A, weekly testing, but you have to pay for it. Or I'll do the masking and whatever else. Um, I'll do that. Basically, anybody who wants an exemption from these shots gets an exemption in Florida now. You know, to have an adult conversation on this, obviously, Matt, you and I don't deny that COVID is real, that it spreads, that uh, we've lost friends from COVID, but we're we're approaching almost half herd immunity now in our country. I think the numbers were about five weeks ago, 145 million Americans have had COVID and recovered by the CDC's own numbers. We're probably approaching 170 million at this point. And natural immunity seems to be uh, really uh, resistant to all of the 11 variants, anyone who's had COVID and recovered. And yet, when you look at this cruise ship that was on, that had to come back to port, it, you couldn't get on the boat unless you showed proof of vaccination. Everybody was vaccinated, and yet they had a COVID outbreak. So, and they had a COVID outbreak. Yeah, some of this doesn't make sense. I mean, they're not really, we're not having an adult conversation. That's why we just got to keep speaking the truth to folks. So, okay, and, and I think that's what's helping. That's what we did in committee yesterday. Uh, the one uh, senator said basically that, look, uh, I can't take the COVID shot. My, I had cancer and I'm uh, recovering from cancer. My cancer doctor said not to get the shot. He said, my wife will not take the shot. And he said, we had a very, um, we put down a large uh, investment in a uh, January vacation to the Virgin Islands and they've changed the terms of your vaccina- vaccination status. And he said, we've had to let it go. So he says, I'm in the fight with you, but this is, this is how we're, what we're facing right now. Your thoughts. I wish we could have a real objective conversation about this. And, you know, when you talk about this, obviously we have always said COVID is real. And like you, we've had friends that have died of COVID. But on the other hand, there's a lot of treatment out there that's available, and the media just censors that treatment like it doesn't exist. Interestingly, the National Institutes of Health now puts on its website, now puts on its website, treatment for COVID ivermectin, and hydroxychloroquine. Interesting. But have you heard anything about the media saying anything about that? No, no sir. They want to they say, oh, that hyd- ivermectin, and that's horse dewormer. I mean, that's the kind of nonsense in the media because they don't want you to have a civil, objective conversation, and the pharmaceutical companies don't want that either. And, you know, recently I was just watching a video today. There was a recent hearing with the FDA, and the one presenter on the uh, FDA hearing says, you know, we can't continue to tell these people who are opposed, they call it vaccine hesitancy, to these uh, shots or vaccine-hesitant people. We can't continue to say that they're wrong. When, in fact, what we now know is exactly, Chris, what you were saying. These shots are not preventing the transmission or reinfection of COVID. That people who have the shots cannot not only transmit to other people, COVID, but they can get COVID as example to this Norwegian cruise ship where people, all of them were vaccinated, and then they had a COVID outbreak on the ship. So, you know, if you start to really break this down and they say, well, there's only one template option, you have to get these shots in order to protect people. No, that's not true. That's just not true. It's not. 
the false narrative that you're going to be protected because you get the shot is being undermined over and over again. Israel is one of the most vaccinated places in the world. That's right. And yet it has the highest infection rate of COVID in its history since the beginning of COVID. Well, and I just told a friend who's with Christian Schneid for Israel, and he actually got me to Israel a few years ago with a pastor's group, and I told him, I said, hey, I want to go back to Israel, but not when they're requiring the, the vaccine. He said, neither I. <laughs> he kind of surprised me with that. He says, I can't either, and he says, I'm not taking the shot. But, well, look, Matt, I want to say thank you for all that you've been doing in helping people file for religious exemptions and uh, giving them information on your website. Again, it's lc.org. That's Liberty Council. Just look them up. Also make a donation day because they provide legal services at no cost to those people that they represent. Uh, now, can they can't take all cases, but the ones in which they can, they do provide these legal services at no cost. And But you can help by making a contribution today to Liberty Council. Uh, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. God bless you, and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Again, that's Matt Staver with Liberty Council. That's lc.org. And I want to encourage you to also go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website and make a contribution as well to help us stay on the air with News and Focus. And, of course, you can see the testimony that I presented before the committee on vaccine exemptions here in the state of Ohio. That's the, on House Bill 218. That is also up on our website. Uh, also information, if you're needing to file for a religious exemption, that information is up there as well at our website at ohioca.org. But we can use your support right now to stay on the air in the new year. Make a contribution today at ohioca.org. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.